Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Just say, my light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Just say, the glory of the Lord has risen upon me. Then it goes on to say, it, it, it talks about the uh, environment where we'll be arising and shining. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you. Say, the Lord will arise upon me. And it says, and his glory will be seen upon you. Say, say his glory will be seen upon me. And nations will come to your light. Just say, nations will come to my light. This is good stuff here. Oh my, oh my. And it goes on in Kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They gather together, they come to you. It goes on. And I, I love that. I love that arising and shining. And just uh, hope is the ingredient that causes us to arise and shine. I love what Jesus said in, in Matthew 4:30, John 4:35. He says, do you not say four months and then the harvest? Do you not say it's not happening yet? I like to laugh at lies. Let's just laugh at this one. It's not happening yet. <laughs> yep. Let's laugh at another one. We, we need to wait for God to do more before we arise and shine. Ha <laughs> ha. He says, do you not say four months and then the harvest? But I say to you, look up, look up and see. Look up and see that the fields are white for the harvest. He didn't say the fields will be white. And, and, and basically, Jesus was breaking off the lie, it's not happening yet. And he said, if we look up and see, we're actually going to see what God's already doing. God's already doing it. Just say, say it's already happening. It's happening. It's happening in our lives. It's happening in our homes. It's happening in our cities. It's happening in our nation. Look up and see the fields are white. And I say, thank you, Lord. Hope, again, is the ingredient that causes us to look up and see. This is a hope explosion meeting. All right. Who was here last night? You heard a phrase that spoke to you. Uh, yeah, just raise your hand. I'll call on you. You say the phrase, I'll repeat it. Yep. All right. Yep. 
Uh, I shared this, God's given new ideas. By the way, I'm hearing this for you. One idea is going to change everything. One idea is going to change everything. I'm kind of in a laughing mood today, so I'll, I'll, share, I'll share in a moment why I like to laugh so much. And then, But until I do that, just... Just give a faith laugh if you don't understand. <laughs> Let's laugh at this line. The best ideas in the history of mankind have already been thought. <laughs> I love and then the Colonel Sanders one. I, I, I can't remember if I actually released the Colonel Sanders anointing or, yeah, I did, Levi? Yeah, okay, yeah, thanks. He didn't get, after he retired, he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. He was on Social Security. And that's a great testimony. Somebody else, what'd you hear? Yes. <laughs> Man, you guys heard interesting things last night. <laughs> I was expecting some, some profound revelations you'd share. I was talking about as a hippie, I, I, I got saved, and I found out there was no high like the most high. <laughs> yeah. God tends to overestimate us. <laughs> yes, God, he, he tends to give assignments to people who do not think they're qualified for the assignments that he thinks we're qualified for. Why don't we just laugh at that as well? <laughs> yep. God is creating supernatural discipleship. Talked about that, just gave the imagery of a cake and a cupcake. And, you know, cake being bigger, um, group things, and I felt like there was just the Lord was releasing the individual cupcake ministry to people. <laughs> wow. Wow, faith believes and promises higher than the facts. We don't deny the facts. We just don't get our beliefs from the facts. Joshua and Caleb, they didn't deny there were giants but they believed in promises higher than the giants. And it's amazing that with uh, Numbers 13, the, the 12 spies, they broke up into two groups of people, the 10 spies and Joshua and Caleb, and they saw the exact same set of circumstances but put a different conclusion on what they saw. And so the conclusions we place on circumstances are almost always more important than the circumstance itself. Let me say it again. The conclusions we place on circumstances are almost always more important than the circumstance itself. You know, what's going on in America, our conclusion is, is on one level more important than what's going on. Yeah, don't trust any conclusion in your life or any thought that doesn't have hope attached to it. We it back, yep. Yep, the devil is not my biggest problem. <laughs> what I believe is my biggest, and I'm going to go deeper into that one. 
Yep. That's one of my favorite definitions of hope is hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present and I have the power to help make it so. <laughs> Whatever I conclude to be true is that's what I renew my mind with. Now, because Romans 12 too, I mean, it's, says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So current mind renewal creates future transformation. Or put it another way, current beliefs create future experience. So whatever I renew my mind with, I'll transform my future. So like if I, if I believe that I am a person with little favor, Let's just laugh at that, by the way. <laughs> if I believe I'm a person of little favor, or let's say I, I believe I'm a victim of other people's perceptions of me. All right, let's say that's what I believe. And then, then I conclude that. Oh, yeah, that happened again. Yep, that's who I am. Mm -hmm. Amen. I might not, might not say amen. But <laughs> But if I conclude that, then that, that on one level, that's mind renewal. I mean, obviously, Romans 12, 2 is talking about positive mind renewal, but I'm, I'm given a principle here. And so I'll transform my future into an experience of little favor. Then I'll say, see, I told you so, it's true. But if I renew my mind with the truth that I radically influence nations, just say I radically influence nations, I, I will transform my future into radically influencing nations. It'll work for everybody. I'll thrive no matter what happens. I said the Apostle Paul must have gone to a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it church. <laughs> he said, I can do all things. Through Christ, who strengthens. I mean, if, if God wanted us to think with limitations, he did a bad job in telling us so. Someone else? Yep. Wow. Yes, that was the Francis Frangipan quote that, created a hope explosion inside me out of the book, The Three Battlegrounds. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie, and that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. That just, that changed my life, because at first, it really discouraged me. <laughs> Got very, because it's a lot easier to blame the devil I'm under attack again. <laughs> but actually, I'm not a victim of the devil. I'm a victim of me. Ooh, God loves a cheerful decider. Took a principle out of 2 Corinthians 9, 7, great giving chapter 
or there's a, there's, there's a power verse in there that it's a life changer where it says, but each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And the principle there's bigger than just giving. God loves a cheerful decider. And I said cheerfulness is the evidence that we've attached faith to the decisions that we've, we're making. Anyone else? This is good. <laughs> Our strongholds hate hope. Yeah, let's, uh, I think I'll jump off on that. And it says in, in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, it says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking every, every what? Thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, I mean, I love that. I won't go into it, but I love take thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. How many of you know Christ obeyed the law fully so that we could receive what he deserved for the sinless life? So that's powerful. I take my thoughts captive to his obedience, not my obedience, his obedience. That's but the, it's interesting that in that great spiritual warfare passage, most quoted spiritual warfare passage, it's not talking about the devil. <laughs> it's only talking about how we think. The only command that's given is to change the way you think, take thoughts captive. The highest level of spiritual warfare is, is the decision to think higher than what you're feeling and experiencing. The highest level of spiritual warfare is the decision to think higher than what you're feeling and experiencing. I shared when I first got saved, I'd go to church not feeling saved and I'd go up and get saved again at the altar call. And then the Lord said, Steve, I've got good news for you. You are saved even when you don't feel saved. <laughs> and so when I started to believe when that feeling would come on me, I'd be sitting there in church again. I'd give the altar call. I don't think I'm really saved. I don't feel saved right now. <laughs> I remember, no, no. I'm not saved because of how I feel, I'm saved because the word says I'm saved. And when I decided to believe I was saved, when I didn't feel saved, that was higher, that was higher spiritual warfare than me rebuking the devil for 30 minutes. I, I love that. It's... It's thought, I'm not a devil-focused Christian, I'm a belief-focused Christian. 
I, I don't want to be ignorant about the devil. I know there's times where we need, need to deal directly with the devil. But again, the devil's not our biggest problem. Because John 8.32 says, the truth will make you free. And if I'm free, it doesn't sound like the devil's bugging me very much. Just a thought. And even to put on the full armor of God in Ephesians 6, you got to believe something to get those pieces on. They don't just fly on you automatically. I love it all. I mean, a helmet of salvation. Whew, that's, a, that's a good one. I put on my thinking all the benefits of my salvation. Wow, that's my thinking is just, I guess, a helmet. That thing's protecting me from all the, all the stuff. They're all good, but I love the shield of faith, the shield of good beliefs. Put it up. What's it say? You can quench some of the fiery darts. How many? How many is that? How, what, do you, what do you think all means in the Greek? <laughs> I mean, all of them. Wow, that's amazing. That'll mess up some people's theology. All of them. That's, wow. I used to have faith for the devil to attack me. <laughs> Just what I said, you know? I, 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 mean, I had some... Again, it's interesting what we believe. I, I actually subconsciously believed that if I wasn't under attack from the devil, I must not be a threat to him. From not having any problems, from not having any warfare, not having any attack, then I must, not, I must be doing something wrong. Let's laugh at that. Ha, ha, ha. That's just stupid to believe. I mean, there's enough challenges in life, let alone having faith for the devil to attack us. I got enough things I'm dealing with, let alone trying to just, you know, have faith the devil's going to attack me every day. <laughs> just turn to your neighbor and say, this message is just for you. Yeah, that spiritual, take every thought captive. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. So this, it's talking about strongholds, our own thinking. We demolish arguments. I had an argument of my feelings that was trying to argue that I wasn't saved. It was trying to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. And so I, I, I had to demolish that. It says stronghold. Do you know why it's called a stronghold? Because it has a strong hold. <laughs> it kind of makes sense. Stronghold, stronghold. And 
whatever our strongholds are, we're constantly looking for proof to confirm what we already believe is true. That's why developing positive strongholds is so powerful. I remember my wife, Wendy, and I, we, were, we like to make declarations and we'll, we'll take a topic and we'll just take turns making declarations, you know, truths, identity statements, promises about those. And so we were, we were going after favor. Because <clears throat> you know, we want to develop positive strongholds, not just get rid of negative strongholds. I want to have a positive stronghold of favor. And because faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17. So I'm not waiting for somebody else to say something to me. I, I'm, I'm speaking. And so she, you know, you ever just declare something and after you declare it, you wonder, should, is that too good to be true? Yeah, I mean, is, our, is my salvation that big? And so she says this, she said, even if I try to get people to not like me, I couldn't. <laughs> and after she says that, she said, we, we kind of analyze that one. <laughs> but it's amazing that, which we concluded that's, that's a good thing to say. I mean, we got to, all of us got to work out those kind of things, you know, in our own lives. But, but if, again, if I don't believe I have favor, then if I have a stronghold where I, I, I believe I'm a person of little favor, then my stronghold is constantly looking for proof of what I believe always is true. I won't even notice where I do have it. If I believe I'm not, if I, if I have a stronghold that says that I'm not a good leader, then I'm constantly looking for proof to confirm that belief. And I won't even notice where I am. If I have a stronghold that America is going down the tubes, then I'm, all I can see is evidence of that. I won't even see anything else. So our thinking is so, so critical. And I mean, I think about Gideon in, in, in the Old Testament and he's, he's one of my favorite guys. I love looking at who God used in the Bible because it encourages me. <laughs> it really does. Because if I was God, I wouldn't have used half the people he used. <laughs> I mean, Gideon had so many issues, his issues had issues. <laughs> <laughs> Judges 6 and most of you know the story if you're new in the Lord and that's a great story Judges 6 through chapter 6 through 8 and he's hiding in a wine press threshing wheat his goal is survival I've been there if I can just survive if I just don't lose anything more if I don't lose anything else, oh, that's success. 
And some of you may be there today, you know, and if you're there, I just got good news, you're not staying there. So he's hiding and an angel appears to him and gives him a prophetic word. Hello? Mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Again, he, he heard something higher than he was experiencing. If we're going to experience something higher, we've got to believe something higher. And if we're going to believe something higher, we've got to hear something higher than what we're experiencing. That's why prophecy is so important. Because he, he was a, a mighty warrior living in a non-mighty warrior experience. How many of you know your experience doesn't define who you are? We don't deny our experience. We just don't get our beliefs from it. It says, let the weak say I'm strong. I'm a strong person having a weak experience. I'm an organized person having a disorganized experience. Ha <laughs> ha. I'm a joy-filled person having a non-joy-filled person experience. <laughs> I'm a great husband having a non-great husband experience. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> but I'm a great husband. That's, that's my true identity. <laughs> so the angel gives him a prophetic word. Gives him identity. I, I love it. Didn't say, hey, hey, in the future, hello, in the future, the Lord's going to be with you. And in the future, you're going to do mighty exploits, mighty warrior things. No, he called him. You're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty man of valor. And, and, and the, the greatest prophetic words have clear identity statements in them. Because that's the real essence of what's going to demolish the strongholds in our thinking. Because we can't consistently do what we don't believe we are. If I'm trying to act righteous, but I believe I'm a sinner, I'm in disunity with me. So, hello, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor, and then Gideon started arguing. We demolish arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive. He started arguing. I think he, he thought, man, this angel must be new to angelic prophetic ministry. Because <laughs> he is overestimating me. <laughs> or maybe he just came from a great worship service in heaven and got overly excited. <laughs> and is, is seeing me higher than I really am. And he's just, just too excited. <laughs> and he starts arguing. Hey, if the Lord's with us, why has all these things happened? Why have all this stuff happened if the Lord's with us? His argument. 
And he says, God's abandoned us. Where are all the miracles? <laughs> yeah, that word's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous word. By, by the way, the most important words you and I need to hear will sound ridiculous when we first hear them. Let me say it again. The most important words you and I need to hear will sound ridiculous when we first hear them because it will not agree with our past experience. Sometimes when we prophesy, we'll try to get feedback to see if we're on the right track. Can you imagine the angel saying, um, hey, Gideon, does this word make sense to you? Ha <laughs> Gideon would say, no, because it doesn't make sense. But let's just laugh at this. If a word is really from God, the moment we hear it, it will make sense to us. <laughs> if we're only prophesying things that are making sense, we're not prophesying high enough. He argued, then God gets in and he says, hey, you know, you're going to do it. You're going to save a nation. You're going to defeat the Midianites. And then Gideon argues more. Starts talking about his family. My family's the worst of all families. <laughs> and I'm the worst one in the family. <laughs> I rent a lot of cars and traveling and sometimes I'll turn the car on and there's something playing on the radio I do not like. What would you think if I said, oh no, now I have to listen to that for the whole trip? <laughs> You'd say, Steve, just... Take a deep breath. Listen to these words. You are powerful. You can change the channel <laughs> and listen to what you want to listen to. You, you, you have that power. Well, that's amazing. And just as in the natural and the spiritual, there's all kind of channels. I mean, Gideon, he was listening to the wrong channels. In his self-talk, he was listening to the it's too late channel. Oh, yeah, say, man, I'm going to turn that channel up. It's too late. Oh, that feels true. It's got to be true if it feels this true. Ha, ha. <laughs> he was listening to the God has abandoned us channel. Yep, God's abandoned us. It's over. He was listening to miracles don't happen around me channel. 
He was listening to the, because I come from a dysfunctional family, I can't have future radical influence channel. And God basically said, change the channel. Here, here's, here's the thing. The future of the nation of Israel was locked up in Gideon's thinking. The problem was a Midianites, Baal worship, a demonic principality. The problem was how Gideon was thinking. Once Gideon thought right, the nation got saved. And God basically said, I want you to change the channel to you are a great leader channel. I want you to change the channel to you're going to save a nation channel. You're a nation saver. I mean, I, I tune in to the devil's channels every once in a while. You know, I tune in to the you are a failure channel. Oh, amen. <laughs> amen. Yeah. That's, that's, really, that, that's true. Oh, yeah. You know, there's the accuser of the brethren channel. <laughs> I tune into that every once in a while as well. And I just, oh man, yeah, Whew. that's true. Yeah. You know, the devil uses negative comparison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Look at them. Look at you. Yep. Um, I tune into, um, at times, the regret channel, the if only channel. Tune into that one, if only. Mm -hmm. yeah. If only! If only I wouldn't have done that. If only I would have done this. Yep, I tune in because it sounds so real. It's a, ah! And, and that, that, that channel, just I mean, just like in Gideon, he, he's just rehearsing, renewing his mind, rehearsing. And I remember I rented one car. It was, it was a brand new car, and something was playing on the radio, and I turned it on, and I, I couldn't figure out how to change the channel. You had all these knobs between the seats. Uh, it had this uh, screen with icons and arrows and punching things and turning and can't even turn it down. Couldn't figure out how to change the channel. And, but then I finally figured it out. And, and, and I, I know in my own life, man, there's times where that stuff just keeps playing. It just keeps playing. I just, you know, I just say, can I figure out how to change it? And, you know, sometimes, ah, I'm trying everything, ah, making declarations, ah, you know, quoting the word, rebuking, ah, kabakunga. <laughs> Worshiping, ah, and it keeps playing. But you know what I've, I've noticed? I can figure it out. I will figure it out. And you'll figure it out. You may have this stuff playing today, but you're going to figure out how to change the channel. Just say, I'm going to figure it out. 
And it's so, it's so powerful because what, what, how we know we're listening to the wrong channel, if what we're listening to doesn't give us hope, change the channel. That's my indicator. And even when God corrects us, there's going to be hope. There's going to be hope. If, there, if there's no hope, um, then we're listening to the wrong channel. And we talked a lot about hope yesterday. And I mean, just, we heard this. We were in the desert in the 90s learning about our beliefs, learning about hope. And shared Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that verse basically says, now may the God of hope fill you in believing. So increasing hope is the evidence we're renewing our mind with truth instead of lies. And so our hope level is the indicator of whether we're believing lies or truth. We heard this, Stephen Wendy, your hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. Your hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. That's a game changer. My hopelessness about the family situation is a bigger problem than the family situation. My hopelessness about an area of weakness in my life is a bigger problem than that area of weakness. Because if I just try to change behaviors or change outcomes without changing the beliefs surrounding them, let's, let's, let's laugh at this. Um, Romans 12.2 is actually a mistranslation. What, what it meant to say is be transformed by trying harder. <laughs> Let's give an extra laugh on that one. <laughs> my hopelessness about what's going on in my nation is a bigger problem than what's going on in my nation. Again, this is what we're hearing. This is what we believe the Lord has shown us. And the, I mean, all of these things are things that you're, you've got a connection with the Lord. He can confirm to you whether this is indeed true. But these are things that, that I've concluded. And it's, it's been powerful. It's, I said last night, our hope level determines our influence level. And he was the most hope is the most influence. And I think it's really important to understand the difference between faith and hope. And let me just, this may be overly simplistic, but faith is more specific while hope is more general. Faith says God's going to do this. Hope says I don't know what God's going to do, but it's going to be good. Good things are coming. Another great definition of, of hope is 
Hope is the confident, joyful expectancy that good is coming. Hope is the confident, joyful expectancy that good is coming. Faith is more specific. It says, this good is coming. Hope says, good's coming. Hope is more of an overall optimistic attitude about the future based on the goodness and promises of God. Hope is an overall optimistic attitude about the future based on the goodness and promises of God. Faith says, I'm going to get married. Hope says, even if I don't get married, I'm going to thrive in life. Faith says, I'm going to get into that promise. It's going to happen. Hope says, even if that doesn't happen, I'm going to thrive. Faith people who do not have hope tend to be unhealthy. Because if we have faith without hope, then if what we believe for doesn't happen, then we're devastated. And, and we, we don't have the resilience because our eyes, we're not looking up and seeing. We have more of a destination disease that just has, that's focused. I got to get here to live. I can only live if I get into this position in life or have these promises happen. Hope is the safety net for when what we believe for in faith does not happen. Hope is the safety net for when what we believe for in faith does not happen. And I believe we're supposed to believe things for faith. I mean, I'm not saying we don't do that. I'm saying we're, we, we contend, we fight, we... I mean, Romans 4, 18 talking about Abraham, it says, Abraham against all hope, in hope, believed and became the father of many nations. Against what seemed to be hopeless, in hope, he believed. He put the specific promise to be a father of many nations into the soil of hope. Against all hope, in hope, he believed and became the father of many nations. And I say, thank you, Lord. Even, even areas of our own lives right now where we're facing disappointments. And all of us, you know, one, one thing I know is pretty much every one of us have at least one area that is, is screaming at us, this is really hopeless. This really is hopeless. Let's laugh at that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we all got at least one. <laughs> it's hopeless. Yeah. I remember basically you know, the Lord said, Stephen, Wendy, I give, you hopeless, I give you permission to be hopeless about anything I'm hopeless about. <laughs> 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 ha, 
<laughs> and never once have we ever prayed, said, God, are you hopeless about this? Never once have we heard, yes, I am. We're actually stumped here in heaven. <laughs> we don't know what to do. Even prayer is pointless for that thing. <laughs> I remember in that season when we first really started hearing about hope and joy, I thought, oh no, now I have to be happy too. Oh, no. Man, I'm trying so hard to be a good Christian. And now I got to be happy, too. That just sounds like hard work. Now, uh, hope and joy are the fruit of good beliefs. They, they are. I mean, it's like a lack of hope and joy is like the check engine light on a car. I don't get condemned when my check engine light comes on. I'm a bad person, my check engine light's on. <laughs> no, it's just good information. I don't get condemned when I have a lack of joy and hope. It's just great information. It's great information. Hmm. Check, check what I'm thinking, because obviously what I'm thinking and believing is not, it needs an upgrade. And, and, and says, I may not know what the upgrade is needed, but it, it's, it's my indicator. So just as we, we're going to, the last thing I want to do in this first session, and we're going to take a break, is I want to just share with you a powerful weapon. And I've kind of introduced it to you, but I want to, I want to share why. I want to, I want to talk about the weapon of laughter. Because it, it, it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of all warfare are carnal, are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And there's many weapons. Declarations is a weapon. Love encounters is a weapon. Beholding his glory is a weapon that pulls down strongholds. But laughter is a weapon. And I used to be a joy-impaired, laughter-impaired Christian. Some would be crying in church. I'd go, oh, yes, amen. God is moving. He probably was. Some would be laughing. I'd be troubled and uncomfortable. <laughs> if they really got it, they wouldn't be laughing. But I found out laughter is a powerful weapon because to laugh, you have to let go of something. I've been married to my wife, Wendy, for 40 years. We love each other. We're best friends. But we still don't always agree with each other. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> and when we're not agreeing, especially when I think she's really wrong, I'm not laughing. Because if I laugh, she'll think she's okay. I, I don't want her to think that. So I'm not laughing. Wendy, I'm a victim of you. My joy depends on your behavior. For me to walk in biblical joy... I need you to do what I think you should be doing. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> but finally, when I laugh, 
ha, ha. How many know I let go of that thing? Whatever that thing was, anger, manipulation, frustration, whatever I was trying to pull out of my relational toolkit. Because <laughs> you can't hold on to those things and laugh at the same time. You got to let go of one or the other. Laughter cleans out the pipes. Because in our spiritual pipes, this is my theory, truth comes through our spiritual pipes, what we say, our words. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. So there's a spirit on our words. And if we don't clean out our pipes, there's a wrong spirit on our words. So we get in our pipes, frustration, disappointment, fear, offense, unworthiness, victim mindset. And, and then if we don't take care of that, then the truth that comes out of us has those things attached to it. How many of you ever drank good water out of bad pipes? Just... <laughs> I mean, I loved as a boy to drink water out of garden hoses. Man, that was fun. <laughs> That's, for some reason, it just tasted so much better. But every once in a while, there'd be dirt in the hose. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, Wendy and I will say something to one another, and we don't have the best attitude when we say it. Let's, let's just laugh at that as well. <laughs> and the other one will say, yeah, that, that sounds true, but I think you might have a pipe issue. <laughs> Laughter cleans out the pipes. It says in, in Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart is good like medicine. And one of the ways to stay spiritually, emotionally, and physically healthy is through Laughter. I, I read about a study that said little children laugh on average of 400 times a day. Somebody say yay. And the same study said adults laugh only 15 times a day. Somebody say boo. <laughs> I want to grow up and become childlike. And Jesus said in Matthew 18, 3, unless you're converted and become as a little child, you're not going to enter the kingdom. And there's so many things of kingdom life we can't enter into unless we become childlike. And joy and childlikeness are, are synonymous. I used to try to be dignified as a Christian leader. Oh, yes, amen. <laughs> Being dignified is way overrated. Oh, yes, amen. One day, you'll become mature like me. You're excited now, but one day, you'll be mature. No thanks. <laughs> it says in Psalm 2, 4, he who sits in the heavens laughs. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But I never expected that would include more laughter. 
He who sits in heaven's laughs. What's God laughing at? He's laughing at what his enemies are saying and planning. So I got an idea. I'm a spiritual experimenter. I've done many things I've never, ever heard any other Christian do. This is one of them. Is I, I said, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to laugh at the lies of the enemy and see what happens. And I found out, man, it, it's, it's powerful because lies sound really real in the darkness of our thinking. Oh, yes, amen. If I don't feel saved, that means I'm not saved. Oh, yes. That, oh, that, it's got to be true if it feels this true. Oh, yes. Amen. But if, but if I put language to that, it's laughable. My salvation depends on my feelings. That's just stupid. <laughs> so I'm going to give you just some of the devil's all-time favorite lies. And here's what I want you to do is I want you guys to laugh. Can you just warm up your laughers just right now? Because <laughs> I wouldn't want anybody to laugh suddenly and pull a laugh muscle. <laughs> some might say, well, I'm not planning on laughing because I'm an authentic person. And if I laugh, it will feel fake. <laughs> Your laughter's not fake, it's just rusty. <laughs> I do a lot of things, good things I don't feel like doing, and I don't call them fake. I come to church sometimes, I don't feel like it. I don't, I don't call it fake church attendance. <laughs> I read the Bible sometimes, I don't feel like it. I don't call it fake Bible reading. <laughs> I sometimes do loving things for people that I don't feel love. I don't call it fake love. Some of the lies are going to be really easy to laugh at. <laughs> There's going to be others are going to be deeper lies, and you might laugh like this. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're actually getting delivered of something. <laughs> but it's a fun deliverance. We don't need garbage cans or anything like that. We just have it just. <laughs> I'm not saying there's not other ways of deliverance. I'm just saying this is this is a fun one. <laughs> All right. So here we go. You guys ready? All right. Yep, and I want you just to laugh just a little louder than you were planning. All right, let's just start with just one of his all-time favorites, and we've already touched on this a little bit, but let's give a hearty laugh on this one. You are a failure. <laughs> Let's give an extra laugh on that one. <laughs> How about this one? Another one of his favorites. God will not provide for your needs in the future. <laughs> Here's a good one. You should not trust the perspective of any Christian who laughs a lot. <laughs> Ha 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 
because they're obviously not understanding things. <laughs> Here's a lie I camped in for about a decade. There's something uniquely wrong with you. <laughs> your prayers for your country are not working. <laughs> In key decisions that you will need to make in the future, you will not know what to do. <laughs> and if you make the wrong decision, God won't know what to do. <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona is an impossible location for worldwide revival to break out from. <laughs> Matter of fact, God doesn't even like Phoenix. Here's a good one. <clears throat> you do not have the right personality. Be <laughs> All right, let's start over on that one. <laughs> you do not have the right personality to be joyful or to laugh much. <laughs> And then one of the devil's all-time favorite lies, laughter in the church is from the devil. <laughs> I love a, a meeting when my cheeks start to hurt right here. That's just a good meeting. I know we don't laugh all the time. We weep with those who weep. We hurt. We, I mean, we pastored. Sometimes all you do is put your arm around people and cry. I get that. But man, the joy of the Lord is our strength. A merry heart is good like medicine. And, and, and Jesus, he was anointed with the oil of gladness above all his companions. And I just say thank you, Lord. Even because obviously... The Saturday morning crowd is a, you're either serious about God or someone serious brought you. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I mean, the, you guys are, the chances are very high that you've got a, you've got a huge assignment.
you're already doing things. Chances are very high. And that you're going for it. You're <laughs> and, and just to me, uh, and, and I'm going to share in the next session about joy on a deeper level. And, and how the Lord just took a guy from a Scandinavian descent, frozen, chosen beliefs, and absolutely rocked me with the joy of the Lord. And, and why, it's not the only thing I minister on, but why I believe, especially for leaders and influencers, why I believe it's a key. It's a secret to strength and longevity. It's a secret to strength and longevity. So, uh, why don't you stand with me? We're going to take a break here. And in a second, let me uh, tell you a couple products I've got. I've got this book, Let's Just Laugh at That for Kids. It's an illustrated book. It's got five laughter weapons, the giggle grenade, the ha-ha hammer, the laugh-a-sheen gun, the laughter boots, and the laughter blaster. And it takes four pages. There's 20 lies in here. I mean, this, this is a book. I, I look at this book, man. The, I, I sometimes am tempted to believe these lies. Like the first lie, let's laugh at it, that's in this book is this. It's not fair. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. It's not fair. Ha, ha, ha. And, and this is ages uh, 6 through 10, ideally, but it's any age. Can, anybody got kids 6 through 10? You guys do? Second row? Yep. Give you that. And just quickly, it's a book called Declarations Unlocking Your Future. It includes 30 biblical reasons why we make declarations. And I answer objections to declarations. Like, aren't declarations just a repackaging of the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it heresy? And answer that one in there. And aren't aren't declarations an attempt to override the sovereignty of God in our lives answer that aren't people who make declarations prone to be in denial about things they need to do in their lives besides just making declarations <laughs> I answer that one I tried it and it felt fake I answer that one I tried it it did not work seek to answer that so yep um so if you receive what was shared, by the way, how many minutes do we want to take? 15? Yep, we'll take 15. So we'll be back at 11. And if you receive the word that was spoken this morning and you want it and you are believing it's going to work radically in you and create 30, 60, 100-fold fruit in your life, just say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. This morning's a turning point in my life. And as a, as a sign of you uh, receiving it, just on, on the count of three, I want you to release a faith laugh. One, two, three. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. All right. Bless you. We'll be back at 11 for a powerful session.